Welcome back to Better Podcasting Chats with me, SB. And I want to give a big thank you to my previous chatting partners. On episode one, the first time I did this, I had John S. Badger from the Universe 25 and Mercury Theater podcast on. In episode one, we talked a lot about audio dramas. And then in episode two, we had Damien the DM from Adventures in Aurelia. Next, we had Chris Farrell from episode three, and he is my former co-host over on a bunch of Gunna Geek shows, including Starling Tribune and the GunnaGeek.com show. And then last time we spoke to Amos from Ritual Misery, and he is a freelance audio producer and a photography nut. And I hope he got some good solstice pictures. He was going to be getting together with a lot of his fellow photographers and up in Alaska and take some solstice pictures up there. So I hope that went well with him. I haven't gotten back to him since. But he did thank me and I thanked him and it was all good. It was a great episode. So you can go to the Better Cop Podcasting Chats with SP feed and go and get any one of those episodes. It was an honor to share some time with all of them, and I deeply appreciate them for taking their time to chat with me and then to share those words of wisdom with you. Those episodes will be the normal format for this show as we all wait for the Better Podcasting main show to return. And then also, if you want to schedule a time to chat with me about your podcasting experience and your podcast, please send me an email, stargatepioneer at guineageek.com or a DM, and we'll arrange a time to have you on. Whether you've been podcasting for five minutes or five years, I'd like to talk to you and get your take on hobby and independent podcasting. However, this week, I'm going to be taking a slight detour from the normal format of this show. Since I recorded last, I've taken the delivery of a new Rodecaster Pro 2. It's a mixer recording device. It's brand new in the last month or so. I've had a chance to unbox it. And if you want to see that, go head on over to the Gunna Geek Gear YouTube channel. There'll be a link in the description in the episode. And there are a lot of other great videos over there, too. And I know there's some interest in the Rodecaster Pro 2. You know, Stevens had a Rodecaster Pro, the original one, since we could get him one in December of 2018. And we put videos about it on the Guinea Geek Gear YouTube channel, as well as we discussed it at length in the main Better Podcasting show. We've also been able to compare that, the original Rodecaster Pro, to other mixer recorders, such as the Zoom Live Track L12, which Steven has had since 2017. We've also had a Zoom Live Track L8 since late 2019. And there's a few that we haven't disclosed yet, and I'm just going to right now, such as the Zoom P8 and the Tascam MixCast 4. MixCast 4, say that five times really fast. And we have had those since uh, middle to late 2021. And while we've discussed most of them on the show, obviously not the Tascam or the P8, and on the YouTube channel, we discuss them on the show in the YouTube channel. Steven's been the one with all the hands-on experience with all of them, while I've simply been learning and listening to his stories and his words of wisdom. This year, I've decided it's high time that I get on the bandwagon, so the Roadcaster Pro 2 happens to be my first mixer recorder 
for reasons that I'll state in a little bit. And also, it's being used for the first time right now. So if there's something that's the matter with it, please let me know. And we'll just go with that. Simply put, after initial setups and just spending a couple of days with the Roadcaster Pro 2, I wouldn't try to go ahead and plug this in and record it in under an hour without any other previous experience with a similar setup. Definitely going to have to take some time to get used to. Or maybe it's just because I'm over 50. I don't know. One of the two. This, like I said, is my first recording not using the Zoom H6 in the studio since 2014. So I really hope all is going well. So what did this replace? It replaced my old podcasting desk. On the screen, if you're watching the video version of this show, you will see a video of my new desk or my old desk, really. And it's got my new computer on it. That's what I was trying to say was new running in the bottom right. And I could talk about that at length later, but I was able to get a new computer this year, which has helped my editing, especially since I'm doing 4K video editing for the shows that I do, including this one. So it's really been a help. And also, you'll see the two monitors, the iPad with the Backpack Studio up on it, the app on it, and the audio rack, the mixer, the microphone, everything on the desk. That's how it looked about a week ago, the last time I recorded this show. And then I recorded another show the night after, and then I edited that show. And then over the weekend, just two days ago, I started pulling stuff off and then we've got what we have right now. The audio rack is a 4U unit. It had two DBX2D6Ss, which I have used in the studio before with two people, my son, myself, most notably. In the middle there is a compressor that I try to use for audio ducking and other things. I used it to split audio in some cases, so it had been used for quite some time. And on the bottom is a power strip, which I still continue to use in the studio today. And on top is that big Mackie Pro FX V2 mixer. I believe they're on the V3 mixer right now. So that is the main setup of what I had been using for years. Then also off to the left-hand side, up on top, you can see a Zoom H6 with the EXH6 capsule on it. I've used that to record up to six different audio streams in a Skyposaurus sort of arrangement. And for those that don't know what a Skyposaurus is, the way that we had to connect in the old time is we got a bunch of Skype sessions going on, different computers, laptops, and we cabled all those audio together so that we can get a true multi-track recording. I have used it with guests before. The most notable reason that I used it for was when I interviewed the showrunner for the television show Defiance. I had a podcast called Voices of Defiance, and I wanted to make sure that I had his audio so that I could manipulate it individually. So we did that interview as we did several recordings in a Skyposaurus format where I had four computers running and I had different audio streams running to that Zoom H6 in a multi-track format. So I could 
get the multi-track for myself, my co-hosts, Shannon and Sean recorded their own tracks as well at their site. And I just combined it all to get the final thing. Now the Zoom H6 was when it came out, very capable machine. It had four XLR inputs. You had the ability to put two more on it with the capsule that's in the back. I had it rigged above my monitor, which is just a small 22 inch monitor. I had it up on a stand right next to the mixer so I could run the audio cords from the mixer to the Zoom H6. There's a little bit of a dust magnet, but it worked great for years, still works to this day. Had a couple issues with it, which we will talk about in the future. And then this is what the desk looks like or looked like at the time. I had two monitors and the big audio rack. I had the laptop off to the left-hand side that I use for my mobile stuff and also some uh, other stuff in the house. I had the camera on top of the center monitor and I have still have the microphone mounted to a boom arm on a shelf that is attached to the wall with a third monitor. So you can see not the greatest arrangement in terms of monitor space. The issue was I wanted a bigger monitor for one and I couldn't get a bigger monitor in the center without actually getting rid of that audio rack. There's no side on either of side of the desk to put an audio rack. So I was really stuck with that until I could get a capability that would remove the need for the DBX Studio successes and the audio rack and the Mackie mixer. Really just needed to get rid of that in order to get the desk space to get a bigger monitor in the center and then possibly a third monitor overall. The dismantling, when I finally decided, I just pulled the trigger on the last Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., I said, when I edit the next podcast, which we haven't released yet, but I have edited at the time of this recording, it is our takes on the Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And I said, when I edit that, I am going to use my new monitor. And to use my new monitor, I need to create space on the desk. So what I did is I started removing cords to prep the space for the removal of everything. And as you can see on the screen right now, there is just a ton of cords. I had a total of four DI boxes back there. There was a USB interface that I hadn't used in a couple of years because last time that that is the last time I used the Skyposaurus. It was just a pile of cords there. It was just that was the first of four times that I actually went to the back of my setup back behind the monitors. All these cords were hidden by the monitors for years. I tried my best at cable management, but there was just so many in so little space. And I even tried to get the cords the exact length and they just overtook the space back there. As a matter of fact, let's take a little look behind the monitors here. This is a video that I took before I dismantled the studio, but this was after I took like two turns of cords out. And this is what was left back there. And you can see on the left-hand side, there's a few cords for monitors and stuff. But as you go off to the right-hand side, it's just a mess of cords. I mean, this really bugged me for a lot of years that I wasn't able to get it any more managed 
than you see on the screen right now. It was really a mess, kind of embarrassed about it, to be honest with you. So you're getting a first look at something that I didn't want anybody to see ever. And it is much better right now. I don't have pictures of it. At some point in time, I will. It's not in its final state right now. There's a few other chords that I'm waiting on. But yeah, that was one thing. And then when I finally pulled the audio rack, this is what was behind it. This is what's left after taking away the Zoom H6 up here, the Mackie mixer, and the 4U audio rack with the two DBX-286s, the Behringer compressor, and the power. And I still have to keep the power plugged in because, well, I got my internet through there, modem and the wireless, got the speakers, some light control stuff, so that's going to stay in the whole thing. But in particular, this is just an example of the mess that I created over the years. I got two USB-B connections that were both meant for the mixer. One runs through the back. Now, I think that was the original, but when I was having some problems before, I think I bought this upgraded cable and then just put it through the side there. So yeah, that's what I got going on here. I got duplicative cables and dust and mess and yeah. I hope you got a sense there at the end of how frustrated I was. This is, yeah. And I really had a look on my face like, Aah! it was really a mess. So then what I did is I started piling everything up. Now, I don't have the first, I believe, two cord removals in this next video, but you get a sense of idea of how much I actually took out. So that is the audio rack, the 4U audio rack. That is the Behringer compressor, the 2DBX-286S, the Zoom, the stand the Zoom was on, the Mackie mixer, and all the cords that were going to the Mackie mixer, including the headphone amp that I had to do to split headphones. That is all. And it's actually, the cords are tied up, so it's not a big mess. But you can see the extent of everything. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the Zoom H6, because that has been hidden for quite some time. So what you see here is the Zoom H6, the remote control that was on it, as well as the stand. It was on a 4x4 stand that I made years ago, and it is definitely worth a lot of money. That wood is worth a lot of money today, and I just put it on a little stand up top. This is going to be important because we're going to talk about the issue that I had with the Zoom H6, but that's the Zoom H6 in the center of the picture there. It's everything just right in the middle there. The Zoom H6, the remote control, and the stand that it was on. Now next, we'll take a closer look at the DBX-286S's. You can see that there is some cords and DI boxes. Now, the DI boxes behind there didn't actually run to the DBX 286Ss. Those were running to the Mackie mixer in order to do the Skyposaurus correctly. But the DBX 286Ss right there were 
in the audio rack. They're out. One is brand new. I just replaced it about a year ago, probably about two years ago now because time flies during the pandemic. And the other one I've had since the beginning. So I've had a total of three DBX2A6Ss. They run about $300 a piece. Another thing that I had was a Behringer compressor. And the Behringer compressor, as I can bring it up right here, is a wonderful thing because you could use it to split audio, you could use it to compress, you could use it to auto duck. So there was a lot of great things that you could use it for. And I used it for a bunch of things over the years. It was nice. It was $125 when I got it. I don't know how much it is today with the price of gear. It could have gone up to $150 or maybe even close to $200. But it was meant to compress audio. I didn't need it for my microphones because I was using the DBX-2D6S's. And that worked just fine. Now, another thing we'll take a look at is a close-up of the Mackie with all those cords on top of the DI boxes and the headphone amp splitter in there. This is a lot of money when it is all comes together. The Mackie mixer is about $550. The DI boxes anywhere from $20 to $40. I haven't priced them out lately. And all those cords add up to a lot of money. And if you can replace those with something a little bit simpler, a little bit more digital, and a little bit more robust, then that would be great. That's actually the second Mackie mixer that I had. I actually had to replace that about two years into it because the USB went out on it. Now, since then, I believe 2017, so five years now, I've been using that Mackie mixer. Channel one arguably is dead, but the rest of it, seems to be working just fine and i just used it last week it was working great and as an audio guy as a technical guy this was something that i was like "Ooh, i want to learn how to be an audio engineer and mix and everything well things have progressed since then a lot of people use daws for this i still need a physical device myself with faders and some people do that they have controls for their faders and that is great. But yeah, I had to label all the channels because there were so many of them to make sure I knew what was what. I did wiring diagrams to make sure I knew where all the cords were going. This was a big deal. Now, I mentioned that something happened with the H6. Well, since it's been on that stand for years, about six years, you can see right in the middle of there, it cracked right where it was mounted. And that was just getting worse. So I was in need of needing to replace that pretty soon. Also, I used to keep batteries in there just to make sure that I had a backup. Well, I never took the batteries out. So the batteries corroded one time and the whole thing lost power. I took it out. I cleaned it out. I vacuumed out all the stuff. It's fine now from a power standpoint. Matter of fact, Minus the cracked in the case, it works just fine. But I intentionally removed the battery case and I put it in the H6, the battery box cover and put it in the H6 case just so I would never forget to leave batteries in there if it was going to be permanently mounted in the studio. The H6 has been with me for a long time. The H6. 
I've taken to both coasts. I've ta- I know I've taken it to Las Vegas. I've taken it south to Florida. I've taken it north to my family's lake place up in Wisconsin. The thing's been traveling with me, but then I permanently mounted it in the studio, probably about the 2015, late 2015, 2016 timeframe. And it has been here since. And I got a Zoom H5 to take with me mobily. That has been replaced recently by the Zoom P4. So I still have the H5 and it still has a use for when I'm doing video and want to connect a lavalier mic to it. But the PodTrack P4 is what I take when I travel these days and I take stuff with me. So that is what I took out of the studio. And then I installed the Rodecaster Pro. And it was a dramatic transformation. It was a dramatic transformation because of two things. One is I put in the Rodecaster Pro 2 instead of that audio rack, the Mackie mixer, the Zoom H6. But also it was a transformation because it opened up space on my desk to actually put in that third monitor. So this is what everything looks like now. I still have that power underneath the riser in the center because I still need to switch on and off the lights, my modem, my wireless network, the wireless hub. I have a hard off for the Rodecaster Pro. I have the speakers that I can turn off and the lights. So that is in the center, but in the center, also above it, is a 34-inch ultra-wide 2K monitor. As you can see, the tracks are tremendous on it. I can put a lot of tracks top to bottom. I can put a lot of tracks left to right. This is in comparison to the monitor that is now on the right. That used to be my main monitor, which is only like a 22-inch monitor, and I was limited in how many tracks. Now I have sped up my editing process by having that monitor in the middle. I'm reluctant to say exactly how much, but it has been dramatic. So thanks to the Rodecaster Pro 2, which is on the right-hand side on the desk underneath the right monitor there, I was able to open up space to put in that 34-inch ultra-wide 2K monitor, which has helped my production Uh, tremendously. So I'm very, very thankful that I have this. Okay. So why did I choose the Rodecaster Pro 2? Why did I wait for the Rodecaster Pro 2? Honestly, the preamps, the preamps on the microphone are the big things. I waited and waited and waited, and I was hopeful that the Rodecaster Pro 2 would be able to do what I needed it to do without having a DBX2D6S or a FET head. I don't know, to be honest with you. I'm going to have to listen to this afterwards and make a determination of whether I need to put in another preamp or not. I know people have said that they did and it just distorts everything, but I've taken a look at the waveforms off of this and they are much lower than I was able to get in my previous configuration. And I've tried to increase the fader. We'll do that in a second. And I got a little bit distortions. So I'm not quite sure if that's the right thing. And the reflection, by the way, on the top, if you're watching the video of the Rodecaster Pro 2, that's because the case is on. I'm going to remove the case in a second. And another reason is I could connect it to two computers using the two USB-Cs or 
I could do a soundboard into an iPad through there, or I could use it as a second recording device if you put an external hard drive through there. So lots of possibilities with that. Matter of fact, I'm kind of reluctant to say that I wish there were more USB-C outs because I would like to do all of those all at the same time. I would like to connect an iPad so that it would have more sound pads available through my backpack studio on my iPad. I would like to be able to record and backup record through a secondary external hard drive. And I would like to be able to get this audio out to a secondary device like Discord or something like that. In addition to streaming, I'm using StreamYard right now to stream this. And that's how I record and connect to all my co-hosts. I use StreamYard. And then I go ahead and create a video show, do a rough cut edit edit in uh, Vegas Pro 19 right now to do a rough cut video edit. And then I do a more detailed audio edit for the audio. But all this is enabled because the Rodecaster Pro 2. I can still multi-track, but I'm not getting everybody's track through that. If I have two co-hosts, I'm getting them both together on a track. And that's the same with the Zoom H6. Also with the Rodecaster Pro 2, it has an Ethernet connection. Still not entirely sure what that does, but I have noticed some traffic through my internal network to this device and from this device. So I don't know exactly what it's doing. I have to look more into that, but I do have it connected to the internet and I had that connected from the beginning. I'll get to that in a second. Also, there is an elevated touchscreen and I like that, especially how I use it. I can look over and I can see it a little bit better. And if it's in front of me, I would be able to see it much better too. So I do like the elevated touchscreen. I like the improved touchscreen One of the things, as you can kind of see on the right-hand side if you're watching the video, is the sound pads are actually shown there. And I don't think, although I could be mistaken, that the original Rodecaster Pro does that. So I think that's an improvement with the Rodecaster Pro 2. And I'm very grateful because I don't know which is which. One problem, though, is my eyes are so old that I can't really read that from here. I'd have to get very close. But at least it's an indicator. I might put three letters on there to indicate which bump it is. I like the fact that it's under six inches, even with the cover on it. It's actually three inches and five eighths, three and five eighths inches tall, which is great because I have a six inch riser monitor riser that it's sitting underneath and there's plenty of clearance right there. So if you're putting this underneath a monitor riser, that is awesome that it's not very tall, but it is tall enough that it's elevated that, like I said, the screen is elevated so you can actually see it. I do like the headphone preamps being improved. I didn't experience the first one, but I heard that was an issue for a lot of people. So hopefully this is better. I don't know. Okay. That is why I chose it. Let's go through the initial setup. How did I initially set this up? Honestly, I didn't know there was no instructions that came with it everything is online pretty much and you're supposed to go to Rhodes website and it tells you what to do I did not do that that is my bad I guess but what I did is before I applied power to it before I turned it on I went ahead and connected everything in the back so let's just take a look at how that looks right now from the aspect of where it's sitting right now. As you can see, 
It has the microphone, the one microphone into it. I also have an iPad into channel number four right now and as in a quarter inch line in. And then I've got my monitor speakers that are turned off right now. They're quarter inch in. And then I have two headphones. I'm wearing the Shure SRH840s right now, but I also use the Sony MDR7506s as a secondary headphone to monitor things. They have slightly different ways that they look. So I like to hear in both different cases. I used to use two headphones because my Shure headphones were connected through the H6. And the Sony headphones were connected directly to the Mackie mixer. So I got different aspects of the audio chain. I don't need that now, but having the slightly different speakers available to my ears to figure out what something sounds like is great. And then also if I'm recording with other people or if I'm mobile and I'm recording with a total of four people, I can throw those headphones in. The next one over is actually the USB-C cord that Rode sent with the device, and that's connected to the back of my computer in a USB-C I.O. port on the back of the motherboard. As you can see, there's the Ethernet connection, and above the Ethernet connection, you can see a little blue sliver. That is the 256 gigabyte Samsung micro SD card that I have in there. And then the next is the power. It's a USB-C input but that is a power that runs through a power brick and it's plugged in separately and then the red button there in the back that is the power button so i connected all of that first and then i turned it on and i'll tell you it takes a second for this to turn on i thought it was just the first time turning on that it would take a while but it takes i haven't timed it yet but it takes somewhere between like 30 seconds to a minute that's just a guess in order for this to boot up. It's like a computer. It is booting up. And from what I've heard, they have a Linux operating system on it. So it's actually booting up that operating system and it takes a while. It's not instantaneous like it was with my Mackie. It turned the Mackie on, boom, it was on. Turn on the speakers, turn on the H6 and we're ready to rock. This, it takes a little bit. So can't expect just to turn it on and record really quick. And I turned it on and the first thing that came up was, hey, there is better firmware out there. 1.0.3, I believe it was, or 1.03. I think it's 1.0.3 was the new firmware. So I went ahead and downloaded it. Since it was connected to the computer, I do not know if it downloaded through the ethernet or the computer, but it downloaded through one and it was able to go through the whole update process. And allegedly I have the new firmware on there right now. Let's talk about the dust cover right now because the dust cover is great. I've run this for a few hours and it has not gotten too hot underneath. So I don't think you're going to melt anything by having the dust cover on. I don't necessarily think the top of this thing needs to breathe. Will it benefit the Roadcaster Pro 2 without a heat shield on top of it if you're in a slightly warm environment? Yes. But I've had issues with dust and dust getting into equipment and possibly ruining equipment in the past. I can't tell for sure. So I just wanted a way to do this. And the other thing is I wanted a way to cover it while I was editing and had it on so I could run the speakers because my speakers monitors, they're JBL five inch monitor speakers. I wanted to be able to do that when 
it was on, but I wasn't needing to touch anything. And I wanted to save it from dust because I was spending hours and hours here editing and, you know, the Mackie got dust on it just from having, I had a dust cover for the Mackie too. It wasn't transparent though. So I couldn't tell if it was on or not. And definitely it was a heat magnet. So I got the dust cover and it fits on pretty good. It's not airtight, but it fits on really good. And if I just take it off right really quick, you just lift it up and boom, there is the Rodecaster Pro 2. There's some reflections just because of the way the light is in the studio. But this is, if you're watching the video, this is the Rodecaster Pro 2 without the cover, with all the lights. I've actually customized a few of the lights. I'm probably going to have to customize a few more. Blue is basically, I'm not using any of these channels or any of those headphones. I did try to stick with my color coordination from my iPad soundboard that I've been using. I'm not quite there yet, but I'll get there soon. So right now I have the soundboard up from the the actual Legends of Shield soundboard that I use. So with that, let's take a little listen as to the soundboard of what a bump sounds like coming from my iPad into this. To be honest with you, it's a little low and I've always had that problem. I don't know why that is. The volume is peaked on the iPad and the gain is set at unity. And even if I increase the gain on the channel that it's on, it's not going to increase the volume all that much. So it's, it's been an issue that I've had for a long, long time with that. And then I thought, well, with the Roadcaster Pro 2 sound pads, I might get a little bit more volume out of it. So let's hear, I think this is the same bump. Definitely louder, but in my opinion, not loud enough. So I will increase the volume on that because I have to go into the virtual fader and you do that by clicking on the actual fader and then you use the big turn knob to go up. So that's what I'm doing right now. And you can see the fader on the screen moving up. I've got it completely up and I'll play the bump again. Didn't really improve all that much. There was a little slight improvement. I'm wondering what the recording is going to sound like. I'm going to turn that back to Unity and then get out of that right now. So that's a concern I have is I want to make sure the bumps are the same as everybody else. And I want to make sure that uh, auto ducking is on so that if somebody else is talking, if I'm talking, then that goes quiet and I haven't figured that out yet. Remember, I've only had two days and I work a full-time job. So, and I was editing two shows. So I haven't had a lot of time with this yet. Now, if you wanted to get into the actual processing, you can do that by a couple of different ways. We're at the processing screen now, and I have advanced turned on, and there is eight advanced options, a high-pass filter, a de-esser, a noise gate, a compressor, an equalizer, an exciter, panning, and high-pass filter. However, if you turn advanced off, which is the default for any of these channels, you get three options, which is strikingly similar to like the DBX-286S, although it's different. You have depth, you have sparkle, and you have 
bunch. This is the AFX processing, the AFHEX processing. I've heard it's got a big bottom capable of it. I don't really need the big bottom. I don't need to be muddled. I need, need to be understood. So I need to fool around with that. What I did notice is that it comes with microphone presets. Now, fortunately, it doesn't have a preset for an RE320. And I won't do it right now just because I'm trying to keep this kind of quick. But if you go into the hit there, you will see very small differences in those three, the depth, sparkle, and pitch for each one of those. And that is the preset. So I'm not sure how much differentiation there is for these microphones. I also, if there is differentiation that I'm not seeing, would love for Rode to have one for the RE320. I think more hobby podcasters have the RE320 and some professional podcasters have the RE320 than the RE20. There's like a two to $300 difference between the two anyway. So I would just like to see that. There is the Shure SM7B in there, which I'm sure Bandrew would be ecstatic of, although I don't know what he'll think of. Bandrew, by the way, from Podcast Age, he does microphone reviews, and the Shure SM7B is one of his favorite microphones. I don't know if he'll be comfortable with the preset settings on there for him or anybody else, so you'd have to ask him on that when he finally gets one, if he gets one, and starts to mess around with it. Now the headphone preamps also have changes that you can make. So if you go into the options for the headphones, you have three choices. You have the Rode NTH100, which is Rode's. You have high sensitivity and low sensitivity. So those are the three options. That's it. I haven't really seen any difference between the Rode NTH100 and the low sensitivity, but I'll need to go in and make sure I think it sounds okay. I'm having issues with being able to hear everything, including my own voice. So I don't know if there is some sort of thing that's preventing my voice from coming back to me. It's not the same as it was in the Zoom H6 for sure. Now, some noted issues that I've seen already. You have to record all the tracks all the time. When I started, the SD card had 12 plus hours on it the available space. I don't know how much that, I don't know how much the plus is. Is it really just like 12 and some minutes or is it like 20 hours and it only goes up to 12 and just says 12 plus? I don't know. I, I'll have to look into that, but you have the indicator of how much space is left on the card in the middle of the screen there. That's going to be important because I'm going to record maybe four tracks at any given time for a just normal operations. Myself, the incoming call from StreamYard or whatever I'm connecting with, the sound pads, and then maybe a soundboard. That's it. That's all I'm recording. And to have to record all of them, it just seems like a waste of space. So that that is one thing, but I understand not wanting to screw up and not record something. Like maybe in the middle, I have my son walk into the room and he grabs a microphone. We throw it on. In the past with the H6, you'd have to stop the recording and start it again. This, you just unmute it and bingo, it's being recorded. When you export the recording, there's a limited choice in recording format. The export of what I've seen so far is wave, uh, 44.1 hertz and 48 hertz, 40, yeah, 41, 44.1 kilohertz and 48 kilohertz are the two modes that I've seen that I've noticed. 
I haven't delved into that too much, but it doesn't give you the wealth of options that even the Zoom H6 did. Do you need it? Some people do. I just need to make sure that it's a good quality recording that's not degraded. So I don't want to record an MP3. I want to make sure it's a lossless recording, and it seems like it does. You have to be connected to a PC in order to transfer bumps through the Rode Central app. I'm not going to go over the Rode Central app right now, but it's something you have to download and install on your computer, and that is the only way you can get stuff over. I was thinking maybe with the Ethernet cord, I connect it virtually to like a Dropbox or something like that, but I don't think that's a capability. I don't even know if that's something that's even possible. Like you might have to log in using the Road Central app, but after you do that, then you can go Ethernet cord straight in there. So maybe Road, if you're listening to this, this that would be something that I would be interested in doing simply from the standpoint of if I'm somewhere and I'm only connecting wirelessly somewhere from however I do it, granted it's got an ethernet cable it's not wireless that i would want to be able to download sound bites and be able to play those right now the only way that you can do that is either yourself you record it and put it on there or it comes through a computer i'm not interested in recording my own bumps i am interested in bringing them over from the computer this is the way i use it i know this is meant for a lot of uses and the way i use it might be different than somebody else We've already went over the bumps and the microphone gain level. It's a concern I have. Maybe I need to learn a little bit more how to use it, but just turning it on and using it, it is not as good as my previous setup in those realms. Now, could it be better quality audio? Yes, it definitely could. I have a sense that it is. I have a sense that the DBX286S processing might not be the greatest in the world. It has worked for me for a very long time, but I'm interested in branching out and seeing what this can do for me. I would love to be able to power an iPad through the USB-C connection. I don't think you can. Maybe you can. I don't know, but I would love to be able to do that because then I wouldn't have to worry about the iPad running out and I could just connect it via the USB-C and not have to worry about connecting it in the quarter inch input. And I have tried, by the way, connecting it through a Y cable where it's going quarter inch into two channels, and I still have the same issue. So it's not a stereo to mono issue. I'm not going to go into it. Well, maybe I, I will at least go into the virtual channels here. The virtual channels and the ability to control, I'm glad I have the ability to control all nine channels, basically, that it can record. But the virtual channels are very difficult to manipulate. I understand it's like a bonus, right? You have six faders and then you have three other channels and you have a way to control those three other channels through this virtual fader. But if I'm a true audiophile and I'm trying to mix and match things, if I'm using this for music, which is a possibility, I don't want those virtual faders. I don't know how you can do that because. It's limited space. I like the size of this. It's the perfect size for me. I mean, it's not too big, yet the faders are far enough apart that I can use them individually without my fat fingers burning over two at the same time. So I like that. By the way, I like the faders nice and smooth, and they're not notched with discreteness. I hate being stuck 
like one level too low or one level too high. I hate that. So this is nice and smooth. I do like that. So I like the size. I don't know what you can do with the faders. Uh, Honestly, if you could control it on your computer, maybe through a mouse, it's not something I'm willing to explore right now. But if you could have a digital control panel in front of you on a screen, maybe that would work. And maybe that's how you use it. So I'm not going to discount that at all. But I just wish there was a better way. I realize it's a good capability for the three virtual channels. And you can choose whatever channels are virtual. You don't have to choose the default ones. You can mix and match quite a bit. And I think I can get into the faders. And no, I can't. Oh, there's a firmware update available. Interesting. I'll have to do that afterwards. Maybe they've fixed some of this stuff. That's another thing that I want to say is they're constantly going to be updating this. So stuff I say now might not be applicable a week from now, a year from now, two years from now. But right out of the bat, this is what I am seeing right away. You have to choose your poison with the USB-Cs. There's two of them. It's great. There's two of them but I want four. And we've talked about that before. And I suppose other people want 10. So you have to stop somewhere. The price on this is already, in my opinion, a little outrageous at $699. But if you compare it to all the other gear that I just replaced at over $100, I'll take this. If I'm starting from scratch and if I'm going to spend the money, I'll take this over the stuff that I had. So I'm not going to complain too much about the USB-Cs and the fact there are only two. Heck, my computer only has two, one on the back and one on the front. So I I can put more in there because I can put a PCIe card in. I can't modify this that way, though. So it is what it is. I will probably, I'm going to be leaving the studio tomorrow. I'm going on vacation for about a week. So I'm not going to have time to throw in a DBX2D6S. But that will probably be my first test when I return is to throw a DBX-286S between this microphone and this just to see if, and turn off the processing, turn on the processing on the 286S, turn off the processing here. So do a little A-B comparison between the two and just see what completely works. I do have space in my studio underneath my left monitor. I I did this on purpose for a DBX-286S if need be, so I can still have that but I would prefer not actually have enough space for two of them and maybe even three. No, two, two is all I got. So in terms of space, so that's all I can do. Anyway, that's my initial thoughts. I know you probably have a ton of questions. Please get your questions to me. Stargate pioneer at guineageek.com. You can DM me. If you're watching this on YouTube, leave a comment down below, ask a question. I'll get back to you as best I can. and. I want to help you as much as I want you to help me because maybe you're like, SP, you just need to do this and everything will work great. And I'll be like, thank you. This is awesome. So this is a collaboration approach, which is why we started Better Podcasting was to be able to get together in a community of hobby podcasters and independent podcasters to be able to work through issues like this. This is a tremendous machine, this Roadcaster Pro 2. So glad I have it. And I'm really looking forward to using it in the future, getting to know it a little bit better. And I know it's going to be a few months before I know it as well as I knew my other setup, maybe even years, but I'm looking forward to using this for quite some time. I'm also looking forward to 
other companies coming out with their second or third generation items, Zoom, Tascam, uh, two of them. I wish Mackie would get into this, but they seem to be a little bit behind. Uh, Focusrite seems more into the audio interface realm, which is a way that you can go. I prefer this. So if you have any questions or comments, please let me know and I'll answer them the best I can, or maybe you'll inform me on what I'm doing wrong. So if you like content like this, please subscribe to the YouTube channel and like the video. Stephen and I would greatly appreciate it. I was just talking to Stephen today. He's getting ready to go on his summer vacation. When he comes back, we plan to talk about how we're going to proceed in the future. Just don't know when that is or what that looks like at the moment. Now, next week, I will be off for the holiday, so no episode for two weeks. The following week, I plan to stream and chat with Trevor Payne from the Roll for Intent Tabletop Gaming Podcast. Now, stay tuned to at BetterPod on Twitter and our Discord server at betterpodcasting.com slash Discord for more information. I do plan to stream the next show live Tuesday night, July 12th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. And barring any other questions, we'll see you then. Bye.